What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency podcast hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. We've got a special guest on the show. I wanted to start by a little introduction. This guest means a lot to me. I don't know if he realizes this, but he was the first one that I reached out to when I was thinking about my Scratch Agency journey. He took the time to sit and talk with me uh, for a couple hours at a time and walk through kind of what it looked like to take his. So it's special to have him on. And today we are super excited to have Nate Jones on the podcast. Nate and his wife, Cammy run Wexford Insurance in Indianapolis, Indiana. Nate's been in the industry for seven years, and his key to success is making decisions quickly, which I can't wait to get into that. But, Nate, thank you for joining us on the Scratch Agency podcast. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. Um, I'm so proud of you for starting, man, and cool seeing you grow. It's cool to see all of us. We're all just going to take off, and uh, we're going to be the who's who of the industry and uh, hopefully the next five to ten years, right? That's right. That's the plan. Yes, but yes, past, the, past the introduction I just gave you there, why don't you uh, introduce uh, yourself to people that are listening that are learning about you for the first time? Yeah. So uh, my name is Nate Jones. I own Wexford Insurance. We're an independent agency here in Indianapolis. Me and my wife, we started it. Uh, we worked at a law firm in South Carolina before, so we worked together before. And I helped uh, that company start an agency, and uh, it was successful, and we wanted to move back home. We wanted to be back home by family. So I said, you know what, I've done it for somebody else and um, figured out how to do it successfully, so I might as well do it for myself. And before that, I worked at a top 100 insurance agency, so I got to see how insurance agencies are ran at the highest level with some of the most successful producers probably in the country. Got to see how they operated. And then before that, I was an underwriter. So I would price the insurance uh, for agents. So I got to see how the magic really happens on the carrier side. (laughs) And um, before that, I majored in insurance in college. And the only reason I chose insurance is because they all got a ton of scholarships. And uh, (laughs) I was not given any money for college. I was on my own. And... Uh, my brother was a senior, and he had all the scholarships because he's super, super smart. And I wasn't gifted with amazing brain talent like him. But what I was gifted with is I could I could find out opportunities. And I remember I was just sitting down with everybody saying, how are you getting through this? How are you getting through this? And all the insurance people, they kept saying, I have all these scholarships. This is why it's how I'm paying for my college. And I said, okay, I don't care what it is, but if you're getting paid five to 10000 a semester to major in insurance – I'll do that. So it's the only reason I chose it. What, what did you, I mean, there's so much we can dive into there, but uh, before I forget, I think the most important thing that people can get value from is what did you take with you from working at a top 100 agency like that you use now that you think is helpful in growing your agency? I, I, I think it's the, the capability, the confidence, um, mm. You know, I remember sitting in front of very large companies and talking to their insurance and having a mentor go into that meeting with you and them working with large companies and realizing that it was basically a relationship or it was a cold call that opened the door that a lot of times it's just like anything else in life. You know, you think $10,000 is a lot of money until you have 100000 and you think 100000 is a lot of money until you have a million the same thing with 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 these accounts is you think 
oh, a thousand dollar account's big until you step in the door of ten thousand, and you're like, man, it's just as easy. So what I learned was, you know, these guys were confident, and I got to be confident in front of those accounts. So I'm not scared of them. And I see a lot of agencies that are scared to touch big accounts, and it's primarily due to a lack of confidence, not a lack of ability. Mm-hmm. I agree so, with uh, that. Dive us into uh, Wexford Insurance. So you're mainly a commercial shop, correct? You know, how, how did you um, decide that you wanted to go that route? Uh, what has that route um, been like for you? What's the journey as far as deciding what your niche is or what your plan of attack was going to be? Uh, the reason I chose uh, commercial and group health is because I like to meet business owners. I think you, you can do a lot more to help them. Um, and what I mean by that is you can do a lot to help a personal auto policy. But if I can come into somebody who's who's spending about 70000 a year in insurance and I can come in and look at their policy and look for deficiencies and look for things that I can help them with safety that are actually going to put a dent on that premium – and I can come in and probably save them money. Uh, it just makes the sale, like, for me, I can do a lot more. And yeah. um, with personal auto, in my opinion, and I'm probably wrong about this, uh, I'm basically coming in trying to be someone's price because I, <laughs> this is bad to say, but I don't see a huge difference between a Safeco and a Traveler's. If the, the limits are the same, the service is about the same, the AM best rating is about the same, um, they all have similar things. It's very apples to apples to me. But on the business insurance side, every insurance company has its strong suits and different things, and I can see that a lot clearer, so I feel like I can bring in a lot more value than I can on the personal side. And then from a money standpoint, I'm not afraid to say that, I would rather write one account that pays me 10000 a year than write 100 or 200 personal lines policies just because – um, from a level to be able to scale my agency, um, I'd rather have one relationship, take care of them, and have less accounts with more revenue so I can continue to scale. Uh, but, you know, we bought a personal lines agency six months ago for the, the point that, hey, we have a lot of eggs in one basket with commercial. Mm-hmm. And if there's a downturn in the economy and some of the clients that we have go under, we, you know, those accounts hurt. It's hard to replace a $20,000 account versus you know if somebody non or somebody just goes to Allstate for their personal insurance, it's okay because it's only two hundred dollars in commission. So uh, yeah. I see both sides of that. I just go after the commercial. I don't go after the personal. I just our strategy is to buy up the personal. There's more opportunities to point out the coverages they um, they may be missing. With to your point, with the safe go to a travelers, you know there can be differences depending on that policy, but it's more of just yeah. From that personal uh, personal account standpoint, the relationship that they're going to trust you to make the best decision. So, I mean, you make a, you make a great point. I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way, certainly, um, but it, you know that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think what's good about leading with the commercial is you're really going to have a your retention is going to be high if you're writing the liability, the person's commercial auto, their workers' comp. Then you're also doing employee benefits like you do. And you get their personal lines on top of that after you round out their business account. I mean, your retention is going to be, I would imagine, in the high 90s, um, whereas a personal, a single personal auto policy, maybe you get the home, the retention is not going to be as high. Yeah, and, and that's one thing we need to do a better job at. We don't do a lot of the personal insurance for our business owners because when you yeah. first write them, your, your focus is on the business insurance. 
Yep. Um, and I think at renewal, that's an approach we're going to take is we're going to say, Hey, we saved you money on your business insurance and provided better service. Why don't we try to do that on your personal? So I think, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I think that's a great strategy. And, and then they won't be, they don't have any other people trying to steal that account. So, yeah. yeah. So backing up a little bit and the, the point of this podcast, we're talking to you folks that are either thinking about taking that jump of starting their own agency. Maybe they've recently taken it. They are a scratch agent, whatever that is. Walk us through that first couple of months for you. And, and you know, why, why go out on your own with you and your wife, what that looks like for you guys. Um, and, and what, you know, the scratch agency journey really was for the both of you. Yeah. I think the, the main reason we went out on our own was first we wanted the freedom uh, we didn't like having to ask for a vacation. We like to travel a lot. We go on a trip probably every two months, and that's a huge focal point in our life. Uh, we wanted to have the freedom to be able to earn whatever we wanted to earn. And from my experience when I lived in Hilton Head Island, meeting a lot of business owners that were making a lot of money, I realized if I want to have meaningful wealth, and not everybody has this goal in life, but if I want to have meaningful wealth, which is over 15, over 20 million, over 100 million, you have to get ownership in a business. And at some point, you're, if you want to be bigger than the company you're working for, then you're never get, I mean, you're just not going to be bigger than them because if, if the company's doing 8 million and you want to have 20 million someday, then that means you have to build that company for that owner probably up to like 60 million just so you can make that little tiny sliver. So my viewpoint was, why am I making somebody else rich when I can make myself rich? And I see this in, in real estate, and I saw it so much, and now it's kind of dying down. But a lot of real estate agents had this same idea. They were working for a brokerage. They're out there closing deals, bringing in their own leads, and the brokerage is taking 20 to 30%. And what is the brokerage really doing? If your agency that you're working for is allowing you to close deals and bring in more revenue and make more money than if you would make by yourself, which I would kind of challenge that, then you should stay there. But if you know that, hey, that, I mean, this, I had a, let's just use a random example. This may or may not be true. If I'm making 25% commission, or let's say at the top end, I'm making 40 to 50% commission, that means I can bring in accounts 50% smaller and make the same amount of money. So you got to look at the agency you're working at right now. You don't have to bring in the same accounts if you're not getting the lion's share of your pie taken away. Okay. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I, well it'd be really hard for me to manage these big of accounts. So you don't need big accounts. When I close an account that's $500 in revenue, that's $500 that comes directly to me. Um, so when you're your own entity, you get all that commission. You don't have to give it up. And a lot of times I learned, I'm like, I don't need a lot of the expenses that some of these other agencies had. So I was able to replace my income pretty quickly within the first year that I started my business. So, um, and then from there at the end of it, you get to sell your agency. So you're building equity instead of like, I don't put money in a 401k right now. I'm putting money in my business because my business is going to sell to somebody someday. My business is my re retirement. Now I probably should down the road, um, but right now I'm like, you don't build my business because, uh, this will pay me way more than a 401k ever will. I agree with that. And ha Nate, how did you, so you open up the agency, what was your 
process on generating leads? Like what, what did you, what was your plan of attack for getting new business in the door? Here you go, Steven. It's a cold call, man. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> no. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I learned how to cold call, and I'll credit this to the company I worked for that was the top 100 firm. Um, dude, I'll make 100, 100, calls, um, 100 calls a week, and I learned how to do it. I learned what to say, what not to say, and I opened up doors to – and I was calling on way bigger accounts when I was there and I was still open up doors. And I said, well, if I can call on, if I can open up doors to $30 million companies, I can open up doors to Joe's house cleaning, you know? Um, yeah. and so my process was before I even started my company, dude, I would come home from work and I would make a prospect list and I had two to 3000 companies on a prospect list and I had a cadence of what I was going to do. I was going to cold call them, and if they didn't pick up, leave a voicemail. Two weeks later, I was going to email them. Two weeks later, I was going to call them again. Two weeks later, I was going to email. Then I was going to pin it out two months, and everybody's on the cadence. It doesn't matter what happens unless their mama is their insurance agent. You're on the cadence, and you're staying on the cadence, and I'm following up. And some people are still on the cadence. <laughs> and, it, and it changes. Like if somebody says, hey, call me next year, I call them next year. But everybody's on a cadence. And you just hit that list and you go through that list. But I mean, when you're starting out, you got to make sure you get at least two to three insurance companies and you got to get that infrastructure set up. But at the end of the day, um, we still do it and we're hiring somebody so we can, so me and my wife can get back to making those cold calls. I mean, we've probably produced in one year over $125,000 in revenue just from cold calling. I um, believe it. And it's, it's, it's very simple. I mean, I'll tell you my my thing is, hey, this is Nate with Wexford Insurance. Um, man, I'm on the spot now. Hey, this is Nate with Wexford Insurance. I'm calling. Um, I'm a local insurance agency here. Didn't know if you wanted some quotes on your business or health insurance. And then you wait. You shut up. They go, no, I'm not interested. And I say, is there a better time to reach out? Usually they say, yeah, I don't renew until May. Okay, well, you pinned it out in March. It's as simple as it gets. There's no tricks. Yep. There's no gimmicks. There's no freaking wedge. It's just freaking numbers. You put enough people in a machine, you'll learn how to not suck and you'll learn how to get better because humans want to be better. So unless like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Well, how do you know what to do? Well, you got to do it by taking action. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is so it's funny because I spoke with you a couple weeks ago and I said, Nate, what is your, what is your cold calling sound like? Because Basically, like I was just going down a wormhole, like what's the perfect cold call script, you know? And at the end of the day, it's just an excuse. I'm trying to figure out ways not to cold call. You know, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, and I think if you can keep the script, everyone's different, right? I'm, I think that's the big part of it too. What script works for you might not work for me. Um, yep. One might work for David. That's amazing. That might not work for me. Um, so I prefer an extremely simple script like, like what you're using. And I've actually found a lot more success with it because I think I'm more confident when I say it. I'm not afraid to make the dials. If I get rejected, I don't care. Um, I'm not stumbling over my words. So I think the moral of that story is it's really, it's really easy. You just have to find what works for you um, in the cold calling space. And it definitely works. I've gotten business from it. And this is the other funny thing about some of us as agents is like we know it works and we don't do it. You know, yeah, and, and I, I say it to myself, I'm like, I know it works. I've written a lot of business from cold calling, yet I'm not doing it more. Why? You know, and, and that's the funny thing. Is insurance agents, 
will come up with any excuse yep. to do anything out of insurance. It's like it's like the most boring businesses make the most money, and it's the same yeah. thing for us. Like, it's like no matter what insurance agency it is, every insurance agent out there, oh, a carrier rep comes in. Okay, well, I got to go to that. Do you? You don't have to go to that. Yeah. You should go cold call. That's how you bring in more money. It's like focus on revenue producing activities. If it isn't revenue producing activities, take it That's out. That's it right there. And like uh, cold calling, so many agents get stuck with almost getting a restraining order called upon them on an account. If somebody isn't interested, move on. You know how many businesses are out there? You know how many people are out there? Stop getting stuck on one account. Like I knew one guy, he had a hundred prospect list and he said i'm going to try to get in front of i'm going to try to close all 100 or i'm trying to get in front of all these i said dude make a list of 2000 because the people on the 100 list they may not be ready for seven years you're not going to yeah. be able to write the revenue just i'm more numbers so i'm like if i hit enough people somebody's interested even if i suck at cold calling if i call enough mm -hmm. people somebody is going to be somebody's desperate enough to take my call yeah. Yeah. I say, listen, everyone, the hit rate, right? You, you can, I guess a lot of people would have a different percentage here, but I, my experience has been around a one to 2% hit rate. Meaning if I call a hundred people, I'm going to write one account. Yep. And well, I, and I, I always plan that in as worst case scenario, you know, mm -hmm. and you're collecting data. You talk to somebody and they said, Oh no, I'm not interested. Oh, when's a better time to reach out? I renew in September. You call. Yeah. No, I'm not getting quotes this year. You know that guy renews in September. So if you have 200 companies that you know you renew in September, and this happens over time, like when I go on my task list, I have like 20 warm tasks now that I know these people yeah. renew. All I got to do is call 20 people, and then half of those people might be interested, and then you have 10. You have 10 opportunities. But you don't get that 20 unless you get all the rejections. So a lot of times, it's just you're just cycling through it. But the issue is yeah. a lot of people, they don't want – long they want immediate gratification so they want to cold call somebody and close the account right away and it's not it's just a long long process it is yeah and the There's second follow-up is so much easier it's so much easier after that first cold call if you have their x date the second call it's more like a warm lead hey chris you yep. spoke six months ago you said you were renewing i just wanted to check in and see if you're still interested in a second opinion on your insurance policies mm -hmm. yeah if it's you a lot easier than our I make a joke right. out of it. I'm like, okay, Chris, I'll call you next year, man. You yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta be a human being um, about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, one, I've called this guy. His health renews at a different date, and I've called him two times. And I joke around. I'm like, I was like, you know who it is, man. I'm just seeing if you want any quotes. He goes, nope. I said, all right, I'll call you next year. He goes, all right. Hopefully, like we kind of have a relationship now. But the funny thing is, yeah. he doesn't look at me at some guy who's just calling him. Now it's a little bit more of a relationship. And maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe there isn't. But if you're not having fun with it, you got to have fun with it or you're not going to do it, you know? True. So this is such an interesting conversation for me, as, as the three of us know, because I've built my business purely on referral marketing, right? I go to the networking events. I have had success in building my pipeline purely on client referrals and don't do much of cold calling at all. The three of us know that. I've talked to, I've talked to you guys open about that. I, and I think it's fascinating, the cold calling side of things, and you'd be better than talking to Nate about that. One question I have for Nate is how do you, once you get that, once you get that opportunity, once they say, all right, yeah, this is the third year he's called, let's give him a shot at this or whatever, 
how do you turn that into a relationship? Because I feel that it's very it's it's much easier to say, "Hey, Aunt Kathy sent me, and you got to go talk to Stephen," and that's already warm. Stephen's going to take care of you, and that person needs a new house or whatever it is. And I'm primary personal line, so that's why I talk from this side. But on the commercial side, how do you focus on making that cold call a relationship? What's the success that you've had to do that? Well, usually if it's a if it's a decent sized account, I'll go meet with them. And me and my wife, we always go to the meeting. At the beginning, we weren't going together. She was staying back. And I was like, we need to, we need, you need to come with me because it's a yeah. different dynamic when you bring a husband and wife together. Because, and we try not to have conversations. Like we don't come in super formal. Like I had a meeting at lunch today and it was one of our largest, largest clients. And this is what I wear. Usually I don't wear this underneath, but my black shirt, I don't think I, I looked in the closet. I didn't have a clean one, so I put on a polo. Normally, I don't wear a polo. <laughs> so, like, one thing I purposely do is I dress down. I never wear a suit. And, <laughs> and I wore my backwards hat just for you today, Nate. Just want you to yeah. know that. I got my polo <laughs> and hat on just for you. Yeah, but I think, really, um, first off, the way I dress, my, my uh, presentation is very laid back. I try to connect with the business owner by really trying to understand their business, seeing what they're going through, how they built it. And I think the another thing that I can connect with people is because I'm the owner, so I can relate to the struggles that they have. You can't find workers, or you can't find, uh, or you're trying to grow your business, or there's been a downturn or something. Like I can relate to that, and I don't have a script when I go in. I don't have pamphlets to hand out about carriers. I literally bring a notebook, and I'm like, I'm just trying to learn more about your business and why you took the meeting. And yeah. if you took the meeting because you're not the boss and your boss asked you to, okay, I get it. Let's just try to connect and become friends. And who knows, there might be an opportunity down the road, but most of the time there's a need. There's some reason why. And I'm just trying to understand their business, understand why they're interested and if we can even help them. Cause a lot of times we can't help them. And I just say, you know, you're kind of the best spot where you're at and there's nothing really I can do, but um, I mean, you just gotta be open-minded to it. There's no like, and, and this is what I tell people uh, that say, oh, you're in sales. I'm like, I'm really not <laughs> because yeah. I just go in and I try to understand where they're at. It's not like I'm selling them insurance. They're already buying it. The different mm -hmm. thing is, hey, who do you really want to use to buy it? Because um, they have to buy it anyways. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know, what's so funny to to answer that question too, Stephen. I, I feel like, you know, I'm just thinking about myself here. If it's If it's a cold call or a cold lead, I should say. I think just doing what you say you're going to do, it sounds so easy, but if you do that, that helps build the trust and the relationship. Wow. Sean's a man of his word. He called me back tomorrow before 12. Like he said he would. Sean said he would have the quote 30 days before the renewal and he did it. Sean said he was going to show up on Tuesday and he did like, yeah. if you stay to your word, that's going to also help build the relationship. You know what I mean? You're spot on. I've, I've told people all the time that you can be successful if you do two things, do your job, and and uh and show up right yeah. or do the right thing do your job and do the right thing do what you're supposed to be doing and always do the right thing by the client to nate's point hey you're in the best spot i can't do anything for you whatever it may be you got the best carrier whatever that is when there's a hiccup because there's gonna be in that policy or when they grow and double x their business and they have to reevaluate that insurance plan they're going to think of nate you know because he was the one who sat down and said you're in the best place. So I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. I think that's a great point. All right, Nate, you ready for this? If you wake up tomorrow, 
November 22nd, you wake up with the challenge of starting a scratch agency again. You got to start over from zero. What is one thing that you would do differently? Uh, I would have probably bought an agency to start uh, because the agency we bought, uh, it, it really allowed us to have money coming in. Or if I would have start, if I would have bought an agency from the beginning and even had a loan on it, it allows you to have that money coming in instead of starting from like zero. Because we saved up a lot of money because we didn't know how long it would take for us to make money, but. Um, I would find somebody, I mean, the average age in our industry is 59 and a half. Um, and the issue with that is that these guys either over-evaluate their business, they think they're worth more than what agencies are selling for, or they want you to come in and work for them for free for like two to three years and then buy them out over 10 years. And it's like, I mean, it, it's just too long of a process. So, I mean, if you can find the right partner who's willing to fast track the sale of their agency and you're really forward about it. You're like, no, I don't want to be an agency. I don't want to be an agent at your agency. I want to buy your agency. Um, and you find the right partner who's willing to do that. Then you can take what somebody else has, has built and build upon it. And it allows you to grow so much faster because you have that money coming in and you're young, an older person. Well, shouldn't say that, but somebody who's at the end of their career seasoned, we like to refer them as seasoned people. Yes. Yeah, somebody <laughs> at the end of their career, they're probably not focused on coming in and pushing it every freaking day. You know, it's like, I'm on vacation, dude. I'm, I'm on my laptop. The old guy is like life short. I only have 20 years left. He's not on his laptop. He's hanging out with his yeah. grandkids, you know? So like mm -hmm. you can come in to an old shop and really just push and grow it. And um, just take over what that guy's built and, and just really propel yourself. Cause you already have systems in place. You probably, there might be an employee there that you can really just push. So I would buy another agency and I don't know it, the location wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be Florida. Um, I wouldn't go into Florida cause there's no insurance, California. but I mean, you gotta be open to moving. I, I looked at an agency before I moved back to Indiana, there was an agency in Alabama. We were going to look at potentially buying and I said, am I moving to Alabama? I said, I will. I will if the opportunity is good enough. If you look in your a little tiny town and there's not an opportunity, you need to go somewhere else. You need to follow the opportunity. So there's there's agencies for sale out there. Um, you know, And a lot of times you can get a loan based on that agency you're buying, based on the revenue it's producing. So you're, you might say, well, how do I get a loan if I don't have a business? Well, if you have experience in the industry, you can go get an SBA loan within a couple weeks or two to three weeks, which I got my loan in two weeks to buy the agency we bought. And they use the current book of business of that agency to give me that loan. So it's not as hard as people think. So touch on, I know we were going to wrap up, but I think this is a good point to touch on because you just did exactly that. So you bought a small book, personal lines. Um, just touch on how far you were into your business before you bought that. Maybe some quick lessons that you learned from that. I just think that's good to touch on for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, one of my mentors who used to be in the industry, and he sold his business, and then I talked to another guy. Uh, he's the one who talked to me about SEO and, and build my website and stuff. But I was looking for an agency when I was currently employed to buy, and I was like, well, if I find one, I'll buy it and get out of my job and, and run that. But I, the timing just didn't align because there wasn't really one that really made sense for us to buy. There was a small, tiny one, but it was so small that it wouldn't have really been anything. Um but uh, basically, we were looking, I was looking every day ever since I started, because I knew that I had some capital that I could at least put a somewhat of a down payment down. 
So I was just always on biz buy sell insurance journalize agencies for sale. And then a couple other people that are kind of like insurance agency brokers that sell insurance agencies. I was always on their mailing list. And then I saw one come across that was hundred percent virtual. That was more personal lines, 99% with progressive. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. It works out. The numbers worked out um, with the loan and the cash flow. Uh, so I was just, if you look long enough for something, like if my mom used to say, if you look for trouble, you're going to find trouble. It's the same thing with whatever you're going after. If you want to get in better shape, if you look at it every day, you look at stuff, workout stuff, you're going to get in better shape. If you look for agencies for sale every day, you're going to find the ones that to never touch. And you're going to find the ones yeah. that are like, oh, this is, this is a good one. So, and was that one you bought in your area? No, it was, it was based out of South Carolina. I'm in Indianapolis. And they have or that book of business has customers in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, I've never met a single one of those clients. Um, and it's all, they were already virtual. So that's the biggest thing is if you're going to buy a yeah. shop that has walk-in payers that are paying cash, and that's I don't file want cabinets. that. Because, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't want your cash, sir. Pay with ETF or credit card. Um, right. But uh, I don't want, that's not the type of culture that I want to build. And I turn down clients who want that just because for me, um, it's at the overarching goal of the company. And so when I see a company that's like, oh, they have a, they have a lot of walk-ins and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's not for me. And you got to understand, maybe that is for you. Maybe you want a shop on main street where everybody walks by and, and you're having parade and you're throwing candy at kids, right? If that's what you want, that's there. There's a ton of those for sale, but uh, I'm looking for a specific one. So you need to get specific on what you really want out of this industry. So You know, one of the biggest things I took away from this episode, and we've talked about this in the short time we've done this show, Sean, is there's so many ways to slice the pie. I mean, there are you, so many. Just what, take, take what Nate just said. You can open a Main Street agency right now to throw the candy out and the Thanksgiving parade and all of that and be super <laughs> successful in the industry. You can. Or yeah. you can be at, at your home office with your wife, make 100 cold calls a day, and be super successful. So it's super interesting to, you know, take all of these things and, and do what, you know, do what works for you. Take little pieces of that and, and make it yeah, your you, own. So You need to be yourself. Like, stop looking at the mold of what everybody, uh -huh. all these other agencies do. Yeah. And that's why I don't go to the big eye. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, I don't go we support to the big guy events, on this podcast um, because I just don't. Yeah, we support the big guy. <laughs> I am a member of the big guy. I just don't go to the conference. Um, I, I am 100% unapologetically me. Okay. Because when I was yeah. in corporate America, I had to dial it back. I couldn't be Nate. Mm. I had to be corporate Nate. So I had to dial it back. But now I'm like, dude, I don't want to be at a golf outing with my competitors. You can go golf. I'm going to cold call your clients. I don't want to be around insurance agents because I can't sell to them. I want to go to an event that I can rub elbows with somebody like Steven, go to an event where you can network with somebody that I need to get better at. If I'm not selling, why am I spending two days at a conference with a bunch of other people when I can do my CE online? I don't care about sitting next to you in a CE class. I want to call your clients. Like, um, I don't know. That's just my viewpoint on it. But I, I'm who I am. Nate, who you why don't you are. stop don't and tell us how you feel about it? Why don't you stop and tell us how you really feel? <laughs> I think like, be who you are and don't fit into like, oh, well, I have to do this because this is what the industry does. It's like, like the most successful entrepreneurs, Elon Musk, 
Jeff Bezos, go down the list. When they started their business, they didn't do it like everybody else. If you want to build a franchise, go start a franchise. But if you want to build a business, be custom, be 100% yourself and how you want to do it. And I feel like that's how you're going to grow because it's all you. It's it, you, you don't have to act. I don't have to act in my company because I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what these, especially our podcasts and all the other great podcasts in the industry and different things can benefit people is taking those little pieces to make, to make, you know, what is yours. So, um, Nate, man, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it for people that want to, uh, follow along in your journey. I know you've got a entrepreneurial page. Why don't you talk about that and where they can get in touch with you and just follow along with you. Yeah. Uh, Nate Jones, uh, Nate underscore Indiana Jones on, um, Nate underscore Indiana underscore Jones on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, Facebook, it's Nate Jones Entrepreneur. I post about entrepreneur stuff. Um, that's kind of another uh, prospecting tool is that on TikTok, I have a lot of business owners that follow me, and I've gotten some leads from it and close some business. So I think social media yes. is huge in, 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 our, in our line of business. Um, I talk about business and entrepreneurship just because um, I, don't, uh, I just don't talk about insurance. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I just don't want to talk about it. I like talking about business. Um, but um, so if you're looking to, to listen about insurance, it's not my channel. Uh, but yeah, I just try to help people out. I try to get people to make take action because I know to me, uh, there's a lot of people online that I followed that I've never met that really pushed me, that I listened to their video and it really pushed me to go out and do my own thing. So I think motivation and inspiration needs to be recharged every single day. And um, it's really cool that you can have mentors out there who never know you um, and you can just watch some of their videos. So I was just, what's the worst that could happen? You start your company and like it doesn't work out. You quote unquote fail and you have to close your agency. You know how many insurance agencies would hire you tomorrow? Mm. Like you could get a job like that. Shoot, go work at State Farm. Um, But at the end of the day, like, you come in, like Elon Musk said, you come into this life with nothing, you got nothing to lose, you know? So at the end of the day, you're not going to yeah. look back and be like, man, I'm so glad I didn't take that risk. Uh, take risks. That's right. 100%. Take action. All right, everybody, that is another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Make sure to follow Mr. Nate Jones and reach out to him if you have any questions about today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Do us a favor, like the show, share the show, and subscribe. But most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening or watching that episode of the Scratch Agency podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to see you next time. If you have any questions, you could reach out to myself or Steven on Instagram or LinkedIn, and we'll see you next week.